It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, uh, June, uh, September 26th, 2013. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to our study. We are looking forward to the study. It's been a long time since uh, we've been together. Yeah, and we've been passing each other, going different directions, but we're finally back in the saddle here, and hopefully we can have a, a program that will serve a good purpose in teaching some important Bible truths. The way you participate in the program tonight is 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, and if you're listening to us live tonight, you can sign in in the chat room to the right of your video window and send your comments in there. We have a pro, an interesting discussion tonight. Are you giving away a million bucks to a lucky listener? Is that what you advertised? Well, what we advertised to our update list earlier today, Jacob, was um, the question, does God want us to be a millionaire? Uh, there's a video out there, and we I'm very disappointed, Jacob. But we had a technical snafu here tonight, and we're not able to show this video, but we're going to play the audio. There's a new show coming out on the Bravo Network. Now, I'm not familiar with the Bravo Network. That's some cable TV or satellite right. TV channel. Of course, reality shows are all the thing on yes. TV these days, and this is a new reality show. It actually is going to be based upon the family story of a, of a black family in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, not that terribly far from where we are right here. And they have become extremely wealthy, Yes, and they claim that that is what God wants for us all. Okay. So I thought we would play this video. Of course, it's not going to be a video. You'll just have to listen. We're going to, to play that. this audio. We're going to play this audio. You can you sh- you can't see it, but you can hear and it. And so there'll be a little bit of dead air uh, going along with it as they were showing some pictures of the family. But you get the idea, and they'll, they'll definitely describe what they believe that God has blessed them to be millionaires and wants us all to be millionaires. So let's go to that video, Jacob. Clan is a blended family. We are the black Brady Bunch. We live life on the good side. We live in a three-level mansion. Seven vehicles to drive. Plus, I love my airplanes. My financial success comes from my musical talent. I've been poor. Now I'm rich. Believe me, rich is better. The first time that I realized that God wanted us to be rich, I was a senior in college, and I saw this guy preaching the word, and the honey wasn't nothing broke about him. I said, oh, Lord, this is the Jesus that I know. Jewel and I, we're mom and dad to all these juveniles. I'm one of a kind. I'm a businesswoman, I'm a mother, and I'm a sister. But things haven't always been easy for me. I've been in trouble with the law and my family, but I'm a survivor, baby. In five years, I can see myself being a multimillionaire. Probably owning two hotels, a couple McDonald's, two or three kids. I don't want to be like my dad. I want to be better than my dad. I want to be the man. Being the youngest in my family has its perks. I know just what to say, just what to do. Basically, get what I want. It's pretty easy. Being a millionaire is something that our family talks about a lot, but I work my nine to five like it's nobody's business. It's kind of like we're a puzzle, but I kind of don't fit. I'm that one piece you never can find, and you find it the next year when you have in the yard sale. That's me. The tankers, we will do everything big. His and her Mercedes, airplanes, houses, but we're just doing what God called us to do. Sometimes that bothers people, but somebody's got to have it, so why not us? <laughs> All right, well, there you go. There's your there's your audio. Sorry that we couldn't show you the video. I was sitting here watching the video. The video is actually 
even more outrageous than the audio, Jacob. But you got the idea. Here's this family, and they are very successful financially, yeah. and they claim it is what God wants them to have, that they, that it is, that they are there because God has blessed them. The, the, the video of, that went along with that audio showed them to be quite worldly people in the way they dressed and right. acted. Right. Uh, and yet they believe that God is blessing them with these millions of dollars, and that's what we should all expect. There's going to be this reality show on the Bravo Network based upon that family, and so probably people will learn a lot more about them as time goes along. But we're just using that, that notion of that video to sort of springboard our discussion tonight, Jacob. It is the question that we have sort of touched on. I think we had a whole program on this several years ago. It has been dubbed the health and wealth gospel. Right. God wants you to be extremely healthy. He wants you to be very wealthy. Um, one of the one of the famous proponents of that view is Joel Olstein. He's yes. a very popular TV preacher, and he certainly teaches that God wants you to have all this stuff, mm-hmm. and that you should be you know you should be expecting to be blessed materially and have lots of wealth if you're doing what God wants you to do. So we asked the, these questions to our update list earlier today for our discussion tonight. Again, as we always say, if you're not on our update list and want to be, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to your list, and we'll do that. All right. About noontime on Thursday, we send out our update, and here's the questions we ask today. What are some fringe benefits of serving God? You know, we're all about fringe benefits. Yeah, you know, When yeah, you get yeah, a job, yeah. you know, you want not. You don't only want to know what the wages are. You want to know what the fringe benefits right, are. Right. So what are the fringe benefits of serving God? Yes. What benefits are guaranteed? What benefits are not guaranteed? So some things, some blessings that God has said, if you serve me, you get them. And some blessings that may come as a result of serving God, but may or may not come. That's exactly right. All right. So what are those? Okay. Number two, are physical blessings an indicator of spiritual health? That's interesting. In other words, if I'm if, if, like this family that we just listened to on that audio, they they're doing very well. Yeah. Uh, the video showed pictures of their seven automobiles, his and hers, Mercedes. They've got two or three airplanes. They're doing well. Is that an indication that spiritually they're right on the mark? And contrarywise, for those of us who are not driving Mercedes and don't have airplanes, Ooh. oh, is there something lacking? Oh, I wonder. So uh, we want to talk about that. Are okay. physical blessings an indicator of spiritual health? Number three, is it wrong to serve for the fringe benefits? In other words, is it right or wrong for this to be a motivator? Right. Should we be motivated for any kind of fringe benefit? And number four, what are some of the dangers of serving for the fringe benefits? All right. So we'll, we'll probably have to sort of explain our questions and sort of uh, 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 categorize what we're talking about as we go along. But that's the idea. Should, should we expect to be healthy and wealthy because we're doing the will of God in our lives? What about wise? Should we expect that? Well, I don't know. Just the healthy and wealthy, maybe not the wise. I don't think that the wise part is, an Ill, you know, that's the old saying, healthy, wealthy, and wise. The wise part's typically not being emphasized by people today, just the health and wealth. <laughs> they give me the money, huh? Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, we want to start in. We've got a few email responders, and we w- we'd love to hear from you. The chat room is dead quiet right now but we'd be glad for you to get in there and join us does god want us to be millionaires as this family believes that god wants them to be millionaires what do you think does god want us all to be millionaires let us know your thoughts 877-381-4567 all right let's talk about fringe benefits the fringe benefits or really i guess we could say jacob what are the blessings that are that are associated with serving god right uh uh, and and are, which ones are guaranteed and which ones are not guaranteed? Let's start with that first part. What kind of what kind of benefits are guaranteed? What kind of blessings are guaranteed to us if we do the will of God? Uh, well, you know, there's really there's numerous uh, blessings. Uh, you know, the uh, instruction to, to that uh, the children of Israel were given uh, to to follow God's commands. He says they were for their good in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse twenty-four. So just right at the beginning. You know, in the Old Testament, we see that God had told them, do what I said, and it'll go well for you. Okay. So, uh, other places, God uh, actually did provide physical blessings to them. Remember when they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years? 
their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out. Right. You know, they, they, they were, had plenty to eat, they, and they had manna from heaven. You know, yeah. in other words, physical blessings came to them because they were servants of God. Yeah. Uh, what about us? Do you let's let's break this down into two things. What kind of physical blessings do we think come to us because we're Christian. Let's sign that in the chat room tonight. You can just send us a quick uh, one or two uh, word response there. What are some uh, physical blessings that come as a result of serving God? Um, I, I, I think these are among the things that are not necessarily guaranteed, but would that have the potential of happening for us. For instance, uh, if I do the will of God, some physical blessings are going to come to me because I'm doing it. For instance... If I'm doing the will of God, I'm not going to be burdened with all the physical hardships of alcoholism okay. because the word of God tells me not to drink. Okay. So, you know, I will benefit physically yes. by doing the will of God. Uh, I won't be a drug addict. Uh, I won't get sexually transmitted diseases. Right. You won't get your eye blackened because uh, you were fighting. I won't, be out in, I won't be out brawling, right. you know, right. uh, on Friday night, right. you know. So... There are things, there are physical things that are associated with being a, a faithful servant of God that that are true blessings. Right. You know, I I think sometimes we take that for granted. We don't we don't think often enough about how being a Christian keeps us away from a lot of things that many people in this world suffer with. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. In the Old Testament, back to. The first command with promise, uh, Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. There's an instruction in the Old Testament where the children of Israel were set, told, if you obey your father and mother and honor them, uh, generally speaking, again, I don't think that's a guarantee. It's sort of a proverbial expression. Right. Generally true. There are exceptions yes. to the truth. But right. there, that, that's actually repeated in Ephesians chapter 6. Correct. Verses 1 through 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And so generally speaking, uh, you know, it, it is good for us to do the will of God, and we are protected and blessed even physically uh, when we do what God says. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 10, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Yes. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Yes. So I, I, I think that physical things are connected. Physical blessings are connected to be with the servant of God. However, having said that, we also have to point out that they're not necessarily guaranteed. Correct. They can come. They often do come, but they're not always guaranteed. For instance, think about the ultimate example of Jesus Christ. Right. Jesus, uh, during his time here on earth, certainly wasn't a millionaire. He wasn't blessed like a millionaire. In, Ma in fact, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, Jesus said, The Son of Man... Uh, Jesus said, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now, Jesus spoke of having a, a very little, you know, uh, of, of this world's goods. Now, you would think if the people who teach health and wealth come um, sort of automatically or guaranteed for those who do the will of God, you would think Jesus would have been the richest well, man yeah, who ever lived. Been rolling in it. He would have been the richest man who ever lived. Yeah. Because he was perfectly serving God. Yeah. And yet he said, I don't even have a place where to lay my head. Uh, and so th that's got to be a proof that the, that the thesis that God you know, will bless you materially if you're doing his will is not a guarantee. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Yes. So... Paul, the Apostle Paul even said he was a poor man. All right. So Jesus stands as an example that though physical blessings do come to those who serve the Lord, there's not a guarantee that you're going to be rich. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we got, how are we doing? It's time for a break. Patrick in the chat room, uh, who's in Birmingham, Alabama tonight, says, I believe that we'll have our daily needs met. I think you may be referencing to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and I've got an interesting uh, challenge for you as we go to the break. Matthew 6, verse 32 
for, uh, for uh, uh, verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For all, all the, after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Not too long ago, someone posed a question to me uh, based upon Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse, uh, there in verse 33. Would it be possible that a Christian could go hungry? Could a Christian starve? I think it's possible. I think, generally speaking, I would agree think, with Patrick's observation is, that our daily needs are typically met, and he promises us that, that, they, that they will be. But I, I, I would think that that's one of those sort of generally true concepts, not without exception. Let's get our listeners' thoughts in the chat room during the break. Is Matthew 6, verse 33 a guarantee? Or is it one of those proverbial uh, statements? We'll take a break and get your thoughts. When we get back, we need to continue talking about this. You also want to talk about some spiritual uh, blessings. Yeah, and I think there's, those are where the guarantees are. Spiritual blessings are where the guarantees are. And you might send those uh, comments in the chat room as well. And give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Here's some quotes worth pondering. It's never too late to be what you ought to be and to do what you ought to do. Be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Remember that guy who gave up? Well, neither does anybody else. It's no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. To escape criticism, do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, and we welcome you back as we're talking about the fact, well, there's some people in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, who are claiming that God wants us to all be millionaires. Does the Bible teach that? And what should be our attitude towards the blessings God has provided for us? Let us know your thoughts, 877-381-4567. You know, one other uh, example we might point out, Jacob, about the fact that faithful servants of God certainly have not always been blessed with health and wealth. Uh, the Apostle Paul stands as a great example. Certainly we believe him to have been a strong, faithful servant of God. But in Second Corinthians 11, verse 27, he said he was in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. So certainly he didn't have an abundance uh, always have an abundance of what the, the the world had to offer. And he didn't have good health either. In Second Corinthians 12, verse 7, he says, uh, There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. And so he had a physical malady of some kind, right. a thorn in the flesh, as he referred to there. So to, to the argument that if you are doing the will of God, you will always have an abundance of physical things, and you'll be doing very well. You'll be a millionaire I just have to say that the Bible does not bear out that, that concept. All right. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you on that. Uh, but it does say that, generally speaking, things will go well for you physically uh, in, in various areas of your life. You you put out that question, Jay. We didn't get anybody to bite on it no, in no. the chat room. But uh, what about What do you think about uh, all these things will be added to you? Matthew six thirty three. Well, there obviously is. Uh, there, it doesn't rule out the fact that Christians could be needing 
Uh, we see throughout the scriptures uh, times when Christians were in need, and so uh, there may be times of our life when we are in need, but uh, I think general principles are set forth where those needs will be taken care of, yeah. if not by ourselves, uh, by our brethren. Yeah. Uh, Patrick you know, says, I honestly don't know. What I do know is that as long as I have more than I need, I have an obligation to help those who do not. And if I neglect to do so, it would be presumptuous of me to expect God to provide for me and my need if I fail to help others in their need. I think that's a true observation, too, Patrick. I think you're right about that. Um, i tell you where I think there are guaranteed blessings, Jacob, and yeah. that's on the spiritual side of the, of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, the spiritual blessings from God are guaranteed and cannot be interfered with. But, you know, one of the reasons why faithful servants of God have suffered and, ha- and done without is because they were suffering the consequence of other men's sins. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, when Jesus died on the cross, he was a perfect man, and yet he's suffering. Why? Not for his fault, but because of the sins of others. Yeah. I, I would say the same thing about the Apostle Paul and a host of other faithful Christians through the centuries who have have, have hurt and suffered and done without because sinful men were putting upon them. They were suffering the consequences of sinful That's men. That's right. That's right. But where sinful men cannot interfere is in the spiritual relationship we have with God. And if you were, you know, I think it's really a great exercise sometime to just sit down and write down the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, the Apostle Paul spoke about all, spirit, all spiritual blessings. How did he word that? He said, uh, he has blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So uh, I think it's a good exercise sometimes to sit down and just start writing out a list of spiritual blessings that we have that nobody can can right. cause to stop. Right. Uh, I mean, you'd have to put on there forgiveness, salvation, hope for eternity, uh, certainly a relationship with God, the privilege of prayer, uh, fellowship, itself fellowship with god fellowship with his people um i mean you can compose a long list of spiritual blessings that we have in christ hebrews 13 verse 5 the promise that god will never leave us or forsake us uh so we may boldly say the lord is my helper i will not fear what man can do to me or hebrews 13 5 and 6 uh, all kinds of promises from god that uh, that cannot be taken away and uh, we need to be as you said mindful and cognizant of those Let's look at some of the emails we got. Sure. Chris in England uh, wrote in. He's, he, he's very good to participate with us by email each week. We appreciate you, Chris. And here's I what believe Chris, he is in the chat room as well. Okay, good, Chris. Uh, he says, uh, what benefits are guaranteed? Colossians 1, beginning verse 12, we share in his inheritance. He rescues us from Satan's kingdom. He brings us into his kingdom. He purchased our freedom from sin. He forgave all our sins. Exactly right. He says, what benefits are not guaranteed? That you will get, as in Luke 18, beginning verse 29, houses, wives, brothers, parents, children. Just think about that. Like, I love my wife, but I wouldn't want many times her, let alone my children. <laughs> he didn't want wives, plural, huh? Uh, so okay. uh, let, let me look at that passage that he referenced. And I think I know what it says in Luke 18, but I want to I look it up. Luke 18, beginning verse 29 uh, he said, Verily I say to you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. In other words, the, 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 the sort of the expression of Jesus is there is if, if we make sacrifice, if we actually give up physical blessings, He's going to bless us abundantly spiritually. Chris also adds, uh, we are promised lots of things from God, including things people would not consider blessings, like persecution, troubles, being thrown out of certain places, possibly having your family break up, amongst other things. Alas, people who only hear positive preaching and are never challenged are like the seed on the stony soil who sprung up but have no roots. So when adversity comes, they just blow away like in the wind, like chaff. I don't think I'm wrong here when I say if the USA got persecution to any extent, Lakewood, that's where Joel Osteen preaches, and the like, would become ghost towns within months. I think it's right. I Thank think you, exactly Chris. Excellent think, observation. I think you're exactly right. Uh, Rodney, uh, in, uh, in email, says, Matthew 6, beginning verse 25 through 34. That's the passage you made reference to earlier, Jacob. Mm-hmm. He said, Jesus speaks about our needs and our responsibilities to seek first the kingdom of God and trusting God to provide for our needs. Until bad fiscal policy destroys the value of the dollar, millionaire status is a luxury and not a need. 
God never promised to provide anything more than our needs, but sometimes gives great wealth to the godly, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, and Job. And I would add Solomon, certainly. That's a good point that Rodney makes. You know, some of God's faithful people in, in, in the Old Testament in particular were very wealthy. Yes, they were. He says, yet all of these individuals had to deal with difficult times and were sometimes in dire straits. Jesus also stated in Matthew 5, 11, and 12 that we are blessed when persecuted. In other words, it is a blessing even to be persecuted. Yes. Uh, Hebrews eleven thirty two through 40 describes faithful men and women who suffered for God. Such persecution and suffering is often accompanied by financial distress. These passages strongly contradict the health and wealth gospel that considers prosperity a sign of spiritual uprightness. My own view of prosperity is somewhat nuanced. Several years ago, I was in a job that was demanding a growing chunk of my time. Between my expanding work schedule and a long commute, my family time and God time were being squeezed severely. As a regularly scheduled time of intense work approached, I found out that a certain Bible class applying biblical principles to personal finance would be starting up, and there was a need for leaders. I had done this class in the past and was so impressed by it that I was interested in being a class leader the next time it was offered. Yet there was a conflict. My free time would really be constrained while the class was in session. I volunteered to be a class leader anyway and found myself juggling this role with 12-hour uh, days, six days a week, coupled with 90-minute daily commutes. As the class and the period of, reality, uh, of really intense work came to an end, I received a job offer that promised better pay, relocation back to my native south, and better work hours. I don't see this as a reward for a godly decision. Rather, I see this experience as a test. God was not going to entrust me with more free time until I had demonstrated a willingness to put him first at a time when my free time was at a premium. He was not going to entrust me with more until I had been de- uh, till I had demonstrated, been demonstrated as faithful with a few things. And then he references Matthew 25, verses 21 and 23. So that's interesting, interesting uh, sort of experience that Rodney relates Appreciate there. your response uh, tonight, Rodney. And Ramona in Texas says, uh, well, she passed, she, did, on, the she, she passed on that question. Yes, so, so, okay, so basically that, summing up, Jacob... What okay. we, we called them fringe benefits in our questions. We're yeah. really talking about the blessings of God. What yeah. blessings can we expect from God? And and, and I think the, the the takeaway from this discussion so far is just that we need to stop and think about them more often. Uh, you know, we haven't even touched on on uh, a fraction of them so far. That's right. The spiritual blessings of God are promised to His faithful children yes. and cannot be interrupted by anything that happens in this life. Yeah. As long as we're doing our part. God's spiritual blessings are a guarantee. Physical blessings sometimes come, but not always. Right. And so you, you know, you you cannot preach the health and wealth gospel and say, as a guarantee, like the like the family on the video audio that we listened to earlier. They're saying God, God wants it. He's we're we're doing what God called us to do to be millionaires. You know, they're just wrong about that. I'm sorry to say that they're just absolutely mistaken. Uh, in that concept, so is Joel Olstein, so are so many who believe that that is the notion. Yeah, well, uh, you know, back in verse Hebrews 13, there, verse five, it, we started, we do, we, we picked up in the middle of the verse, but let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. It doesn't look like God is telling us there that we need to look and hope for more necessarily. Not wrong to, to desire uh, different and better things, but uh, the attitude needs to be kept in check. Because it is not a guarantee, as those uh, people seem to indicate in uh, their, their lifestyle. Uh, Henry S., which I believe is Chris in the U.K. tonight, uh, says, uh, Jesus said this about those who would be his disciples. Luke, 13 verse, or Luke 14, verse 26 and 27, If any man will come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his, own, his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's something that is left out by this health and wealth doctrine is that idea that you're going to have to make sacrifice. Yeah. And the idea is just, you know, come to Jesus and basically just uh, open up your wallet so he can stuff money in it. And yeah. that he, there's nothing else going to be required of you. Yeah, yeah. It's just really mistaken. All right. Let's, ta- let's grab our halftime break, Jacob, and get our bullet point. Uh, we got a, two or three more questions we want to get to. The next question we want to deal with, are physical blessings an indicator of spiritual health? Oh. We'll go to that when we get back to the break. Uh, interesting comments here from our listeners, and we want yours as well. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. 
Have you ever wondered about the popular expression which describes certain individuals as, quote, born-again Christians? What does that mean, anyway? Are born-again Christians in some way different than other Christians? And how exactly does a person become a born-again Christian? While the words born-again and Christian are certainly found in the Bible, it's of note that they're never found together as the popular usage has it today. In fact, the phrase born-again Christian is obviously redundant. Every person who is a Christian has, of necessity, been born again. This becomes apparent as we examine the rebirth process that's described in the Scriptures. Jesus first introduced the idea of being born again in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. He said, quote, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When asked for an explanation, he added, quote, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Many have wondered as to what exactly Jesus meant when he spoke of the role of water and the Spirit in the new birth. Other passages shed valuable light on the matter. In 1 Peter 1.23, we read once more of being born again. Here Peter says we are, quote, born again by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Knowing that the Holy Spirit caused the inspired word to be written, we have thus discovered the work of the Spirit in this rebirth. His work is found in the instruction of the scriptures, which lead us to obey the Lord. But what about water? Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we being buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There's the water. It's the water of baptism from which we rise to, quote, walk in newness of life. Think for a moment. Newness of life. That speaks to us of a new birth, of being, quote, born again. And so we have it. What it takes to be born again. Born of water and the Spirit. It is to be instructed by God's holy word, and to be obedient to its commands, including baptism in water. Have you been born again? Or perhaps even more simply, are you really a Christian? There's nothing mysterious about the process, as some would have you to believe. Instead, you can be born again just as every other true Christian ever has been, by learning God's law and obeying His commands. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Steve Novorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out more information about this program and recent uh, programs, and find out what we believe in practice at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We encourage you to check that out. If you have any questions or comments about anything you've heard on a program in the past, we would encourage you to contact us, questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about the people who believe that God wants us all to be millionaires. Does God want us to be physically prosperous as a result of serving him? Uh, is that a guarantee, as these people seem to indicate? Patrick's got a good observation in the chat room, Jacob. He says, as someone I listened to a while back pointed out, the health and wealth teachers have an over-realized eschatology. Wow, that's a big word. Here's how he explains it. God promises complete freedom from sin, wealth, freedom from sickness, and eternal life. But that's in heaven. Mm -hmm. Just as freedom from sickness and death are promised not in this life but in the next, the other promises of God will not be fully realized in this life but in the next. The health and wealth teachers essentially teach that the things promised for the next life should be realized in this life. Mm -hmm. Kind of interesting way to put it. All right. So it is interesting, Patrick. And uh, we inadvertently attributed a comment to Chris in the U.K., and it should have been Randy in Sports Creek, Michigan. Sorry about that, Randy. I uh, appreciate Randy for being out there. Randy visited with us at the College of Church of Christ not too long ago, so it's good to be able to put a face for the name that we see in the chat room frequently. Just need to remember that name. Maybe you can put a little picture there beside your name there, Randy. Okay. Uh, what about this question now? The next question we want to go to, are physical blessings an indicator of spiritual health? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of people seem to think, I, I, I came across an interesting account here, uh, Jacob, that I wanted to share along this line. In other words, a lot of people think that uh, if I'm doing well physically, then I must be right with God. He must yes. like me and mm -hmm. he must be blessed me. On the other hand, if I'm not doing well, if I'm sick and I don't have much money, then then it, there's probably something wrong, and I need to straighten it out. You know, the Old Testament book of Job deals with that concept thoroughly. I mean, it's it's uh, completely investigated because Job, who was a righteous man of God, who suffered horrible things, great physical illness, the loss of all his prosperity, and his so-called friends and comforters came to him, and basically they were making the accusation, come on, Job, you, you need to 
you need to own up to this. We yeah. know that you yeah. that you've done something horribly yeah. wrong because yeah. these kind of things yeah. would not happen to a good man. Yeah. And so you just need to come clean and confess your sins. And of course, throughout the book, Job adamantly denies that he's done anything yeah. wrong. Yeah. And and that book, uh, as a standalone, really destroys the notion that if 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 I'm doing poorly in health and prosperity, I must be wrong with God. Yeah. Or if I'm doing well, I must be right with God. It well, just it's just not so. Well, it, earlier this week uh, we were uh, with my kids. Their their Bible story at night uh, was about the blind man who was born blind from birth in John chapter nine, and they want to know who sinned his him or his parents. Of course, the kids they didn't. They just want to know why the man had funny looking clothes on because he was a bum. I mean, not a bum, but he was you know bigger. Um, well, they, the disciples asked, "Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind?" That was the that was the, throughout generally, time. That's sort of been the idea. That's that, the generally accepted yeah. notion. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. right. Um, here, here's here's a little account that I came across. To, a, a fellow wrote this. He said, according to the Bible, God promised that those who follow Him will be blessed with health and prosperity. Now, notice that he says, as I observe Christian people, I see vast numbers who are sick and poor. Yes. He says, now get this, he says the Bible promises health and prosperity, but among Christians I see vast numbers who are saying poor. I can no longer believe, therefore, in the promises of God. Yeah, that's, so not, he's that's just not turned, uncommon. He's turned away from God because of, of what he sees. Now, uh, in response to that, a fellow wrote, uh, there are three possible ways to approach these kinds of situations. This man, One is God has failed in his promise. He's either unable to complete his pledge uh, or he is, uh, in which case he is impotent, or else he had no intention of fulfilling his promise, which would make him a liar. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, is it God's fault? Well, we don't, we can't accept either of those consequences. Number two, God is willing and able to bless humanity with physical and material health and wealth, and He always does. Those who enjoy wholesome, uh, wholeness and prosperity are righteous. Those who are flawed in character uh, uh, have a spiritual problem. But we already pointed out that can't be true. First of all, God can't. So the first argument fails because God can't be a liar. The second argument fails because we know we have great men of God, with the ultimate example being Jesus, who did not have health and wealth. So it can't be, that can't be the answer. Uh, he says, so the only explanation is that the assumptions of the argument the man makes are flawed. Uh, they are not grounded in a true understanding of the things that are taught in the Word of God. Right, right. That's Excellent. the only way you could go. All right. Uh, you, you know, that, that, that man that said that he, didn't, that he didn't have everything that he wanted, therefore he was doubting God. I don't, I don't know if you were with me uh, several years ago in Nashville on the radio. We were talking about miracles. And a lady called in in tears because someone had told her that God can heal you if you just have faith in God, he wants you to be well, he'll heal you. And God hadn't healed her. She was still sick. Now she doesn't even know if there's a God because, yeah. because yeah. of this health yeah. and wealth thing. I mean, yeah. and that's the same thing this guy's experiencing. I think it's a very common problem. If things don't go, if things aren't rosy in my life and the, the preachers told me they ought to be, then, well, maybe there isn't a God after all. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. Uh, here's, here's another little breakdown. Uh, uh, if it were the case that an inflexible rule exist in the divine order of things that spirituality produces health and wealth. In other words, if that is the rule and it's inviolate, it always happens. Mm -hmm. If you're spiritually right, you'll be healthy and wealthy. Mm -hmm. Then how do you explain these results? Little children, the purest of Earth's society, would never get sick and die. Right. Yet in many third world nations, sweet children starve. Their bodies are racked with disease and they prematurely go to to their reward. Mm-hmm. Why is that so? Yeah. Uh, again, another argument. The wicked of the earth generally are more prosperous than the godly, and the righteous do not significantly outlive the non-Christian population. Why do we have wicked people who are wealthy? And right. why, why aren't we, who are trying to serve God, why don't we live a lot longer than the rest? Right. Uh, and then number three. If wealth was the direct result of becoming a Christian... Men would be prone to accept the gospel not because of their convictions regarding God's Son, but merely out of a materialistic self-interest. Such would bring no honor to either the Creator or the creature. The Almighty expects motives nobler than this. And I think that's right. All right. 
uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Chris poses a simple question from the U.K. Are the owners of the Fortune 500 companies invariably spiritual or unspiritual? Saying that, saying saying that, neither is the lack of money a measure of piety or spirituality. So, I, yeah, uh, you know, and you know, the other the, the the inverse of this is true, as Chris indicates as well. Just because a person may be down and out or going through hard times physically, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily a, a super spiritual or pious person either. Uh, so, thank you, Chris, uh, for that. Uh, Ramona uh, from Texas. Uh, who faithful to correspond with us. By the way, Ramona said she wouldn't be able to participate next couple of weeks. She has some surgery coming up. We hope all goes well yes, for Ramona. Ramona. Yes, uh, She said, are physical blessings an indicator of spiritual health? She said, no. Take the example of Paul who had the thorn in the flesh. He prayed many times for it to be taken away, but it was not. He used it as a blessing from God for his work. But she goes on. This is kind of an interesting observation, I think. She says, is it right to ask God for material prosperity? John obviously thought so. In Third John, beginning verse one, he he prayed that you may prosper in all good things and be in good health. Well, uh, he says in verse two, "Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul yeah, prospers." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, in this verse, John alludes to two kinds of prosperity. There is material prosperity that you may prosper in all things and be in health. There is spiritual pro- prosperity, just as your soul prospers. Now, I would argue that, that again, this goes to what we were saying earlier, what's guaranteed and what's not guaranteed. The spiritual side, the soul prospers. To a faithful child of God, the soul prospers. And he's just praying that, that good things would happen to them materially, but it's not a promise. And I, and, and I would argue that it is right to pray for, for things in this life. We pray for the sick. We're instructed to pray for the sick. Yes. You know, so it's not wrong to pray about material things. Right. And we're not saying that God ignores us in the material realm. Right. We're just saying that that's not an indicator of our spiritual status with God, and it's not a guarantee. And and Jesus asked uh, in his in the model prayer said to give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say give us great stores of bread. So I think we need to be uh, maybe tempering what we're asking for in a physical measure. Uh, but certainly it is not wrong, as uh, John mentioned there in uh, Third John, that for us to want to be. Uh, and prosperous health, uh, physically. Patrick says there's nothing wrong with asking for it or asking that others be blessed with it. However, many health and wealth teachers point to a, a, that very passage and assert that physical health and wealth are guaranteed. This is a proof text for them. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, let's go to a break, and we'll get back from the break. We'll continue the we got discussion. two more questions we've got to talk about. Is it wrong to serve for the blessings, the fringe benefits? Yeah. Uh, and what are some of the dangers if we look at it that way? All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the Virtual Bible Study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. A recent report shows that marriage rates are at their lowest point in more than 100 years. The study, conducted by a group called Demographic Intelligence, found that between 2007 and 2013, that's a period of six years, the marriage rate fell from 7.3 per thousand people to 6.8 per thousand. 
While that may not sound like a lot, it represents a more than 5% decline from a rate that was already low by historical standards. Since 1970, the marriage rate has declined by more than one-third. During the same period that marriage rates have declined by more than a third, cohabitation has increased nearly 15-fold, from one-half million couples to more than 7.5 million. All that information is via breakpoint.org. The Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about the fact that some claim God wants us all to be millionaires. Does the Bible teach that? Does God actually want us to all be millionaires? Patrick in the chat room sends in an interesting passage, Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Keep deception and lies far from me, and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I may not be full and deny you and say, who is uh, the Lord? Or I may not be in want and steal and profane the name of my Lord. So Patrick shows that's us a good, that's a good verse. Thank wants you, to be sort of there in the middle of the road. Larry is behind yeah. the controls tonight. Yeah, turn Larry up because Larry had an interesting observation about actually if we were abundantly blessed in the material world, We'd actually be making it harder for ourselves spiritually. Larry, I know you're a little hesitant, but that, that microphone is on, so we're ready for you. Well, the Scripture teaches a lot about prosperity, but it's basically spiritual prosperity. And the material things of this life come and go, as most material things do. And uh, I always go back to that one uh, thought in scripture about the uh, rich man and the eye of the needle. Yeah, that's in Matthew chapter 19. It, it, it comes right on the heels, Larry, of Jesus talking to the rich young ruler, you know, who, who wouldn't follow him because he had great riches and he didn't want to give them up. And after the rich young man left, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said to them, With men this is impossible. With God all things are possible. There's been a lot of debate, kind of interesting. There's been a lot of debating about this eye of the needle. Have you ever read about that, Larry? You know, some people said the eye of a needle was a, a low place in the in the wall of Jerusalem where animals could pass through, but... Uh, uh, a camel, for instance, would have to lo- t- the load of the camel would have to be taken off so the camel could stoop down and go through this low gate in the wall of Jerusalem. Uh, I don't think that's the answer. I think Jesus was meaning to describe an impossibility. You can't pass an, a camel through the eye of a needle. Yeah. He said, "With men, this is impossible." Right. But if, with God, if all this is something they were doing all the time, it wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say it's hard. You got to, you yeah, got to just take, like they do every day. You, you got to take. It's it, it's hard for the camel to go through this low gate in the wall of Jerusalem. Yeah. You have to take his load off, and he has to stoop down to go through. He didn't say that. He didn't say it's hard but doable. He said it's impossible with men. It's impossible, yeah. Yeah. but with God, all things are possible. So Jesus was saying that riches will serve to be a likely <laughs> hindrance to us trying to do the will of God. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. The chat room is still open for you tonight. Uh, James uh, 5, verses 1 through 6, Patrick says, doesn't have much good to say about riches either. Let me read that real quick. James 5, verse 1. Go to now ye rich men and weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the higher the laborers. Who you have reaped down your, who have reaped down your field, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Now, get the idea there. That text, and I think it's a good text that Patrick brings up. These rich people had allowed their riches to corrupt them. Yeah. And that's the problem with riches. Yeah. They often corrupt those who have them. And that's why we're saying it can make it a very uh, great hardship. Uh, it, 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 extreme abundance can be a true hindrance to our spirituality. All right. Now, the question is, is it wrong to serve God for fringe benefits? In other words, is it wrong for this to be a motivator? Well, depends on what you mean, I think. 
Okay. Uh, if if we're talking about this, is it wrong to serve for the spiritual fringe benefits or the spiritual blessings that we talked about earlier? You know, we, we said the blessings come in two directions. The spiritual ones are guaranteed. The physical ones are not necessarily guaranteed. I don't think it's wrong to serve for the spiritual blessings that are promised to the righteous. Uh, in fact, you know, Jesus uh, taught often about the reward that will come to those who are faithful. In Matthew tw- uh, uh, chapter 25, uh, he says, uh, he, he shall answer to them on his right hand, uh, uh, Come ye blessed of my, this is Matthew 25, verse 34. Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, ye gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and ye clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me. In other words, they had done good things and they were going to be rewarded for them in eternity. And so I don't, I, Jesus held that out, I think, as a motivator uh, that we should serve with the anticipation of receiving the reward that is for the righteous. Uh, in in Second Timothy chapter four, Second uh, Timothy chapter four verse six, Paul said, "I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have kept. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love His appearing." So I don't think it's wrong to serve for those things. I think the Lord motivates us that way. Serve, serve for the blessings in eternity. I think also those serve for blessings here and now spiritually. Yeah. Uh, Jesus told uh, the, the Jews that he would have gathered them to get, like a, a, his, their children together as a hen doth gather her, her chicks under her, his wings. So there were some there were some physical there were some blessings currently here and now. He didn't want to kick them like the man kicks his cat. No, he wanted to gather them like the hen gathers her and the his, her, his, her chicks under the, her wings. But. So there's some there's some spiritual blessings here and now that were guaranteed and promised as well in the future in heaven. Is it wrong to serve God for the physical blessings, not guaranteed blessings necessarily, but because you're desirous of those? For instance, First Peter chapter three verse ten that you referenced earlier: He that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking that speak no guile. There's some physical blessings there that are sort of held out there that if you want these blessings, serve God. Yeah. Because basically your life is, as we said earlier, your life is going to be protected right. from a lot of the things people suffer with because right. you're just not going to be doing those things. Right. Right? But going back to that audio we played earlier, yes. these people are greedily materialistic, I think. And notice what Paul said about that in First Timothy 6, verse 5. That is exactly where Patrick wanted you to go. He, he, he speaks of perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdrawal. So that's exactly what those people in Murfreesboro that we referenced at the start of the show, they suppose that gain is godliness, that they, that they are prospering because God wants them to. You know, this is he's, he called them to this, one of the daughters said in, in that audio that we played. Yeah. And, and so... Yeah, if, if, if the idea is materialism, the, the gross materialism uh, of many in our time, um, even many who follow people like Joel Olstein, if that's what we're talking about, I think that is wrong. Now, the, I think the key to this all in, is in the latter part of that passage, it's verse 6 of First uh, Timothy chapter 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. I think that's what you're seeing with that couple that says that God wants us to be millionaires and we want our his and her Mercedes and our jets and everything else. Yeah. Uh, you've got that, those people who are falling into that I think that, that's that right. Snare. So, so in answer to the question we ask, is it wrong to serve for the fringe benefits? Is it right or wrong for this to be a motivator? I think certainly, no, it's not wrong if we're talking about the spiritual blessings God has promised to his faithful people. It's not wrong to want those, uh, to serve in order to to receive those. Now, I think when we say that, Jacob, we always have to uh, sort of condition that by saying certainly they're not deserved, they're not earned, it's not merit, you know. All of it's by God's grace and mercy, you know. But it is, it's not wrong to desire those things. Okay? Right. We're not, nobody, nobody's going to earn heaven. Uh, but it's not wrong to do the will of God so that we can receive that blessing. On the other hand, though, if we're if we're, and it's not wrong 
for us to pray about our health, uh, to pray even about uh, our finances. It's not wrong to put those things before God and, and, to hope, and, and, and to trust that he will provide us the things we need. But you can, you can pretty quickly cross that line and, and begin to enter into the realm of covetousness. Jesus said in Luke twelve fifteen, take heed and beware of covetousness. Covetousness is a great danger. He says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And that's what too many people are thinking these days. All right, Chris in the U.K. Uh, says, do you serve the creator or the creation, the God for himself or what he, we can get from him? You cannot serve two masters. Ramona says, no, it is not wrong to serve for the fringe benefits. I think uh, well, well, I think Chris is, is getting into that idea of that covetousness or what's in it for me kind of thing. You, you ask uh, one what well, we asked one last question, Jacob, and that was uh, uh, what's the danger if we do start serving for these fringe benefits? I think the great danger is materialism. Yeah, you know, you we, you've got to be on guard against materialism. And uh, earlier in the chat room, Patrick mentioned, you know, if I'm blessed, I, I need to be willing to share what I've been blessed yeah, with. It easily becomes a covetous uh, religion, yeah, and, and ironically. That, we were reading a few moments ago from First Timothy 6, verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good. Be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. In other words, the rich have special challenges, and one of them is not to focus on those riches, uh, but to, to use them as stewards accomplishing good work in God's kingdom. And uh, and I think we we touched on earlier one of the other dangers. If we're serving God just for what it gets us physically, and those physical blessings go away then so will our faith. If that's what, if that's what, if the only thing that's in it for us is uh, what can I get here and now, those things can go away, and then our faith will as well. Yeah. Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan, uh, has, has mentioned about the poor widow who gave more than all the rich people. You know, in Mark chapter 12, beginning verse 43, he called unto him his disciples and said to them, Verily I say to you that this poor widow had cast more in than all they that have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, oh, yeah. even all her living. And so Jesus commended that sacrificial giving on the part of the widow. Yeah, Jesus mind. didn't have it right, though, according to Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen should have said, listen, you crazy lady, keep that and, and let us give you some more. Oh, he would have said, there's something wrong with you, lady. Right. You if only, that's all you got. You got two pennies? That's that, then, then you must not be living right. Right. Because if you were, God would be blessing you and you would be a millionaire. Right. And you're not, and so you need to you need to do some rethinking. You should have had a gold chariot to ride here, lady, yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. yeah. Now, uh, Chris in the UK uh, does have a good thought to finish this up here, because God is worthy of our service just because of who He is, our Creator, our Savior, our Sustainer, and the One who will raise us up, and is our glory. Uh, that is absolutely true, and uh, I think I think we need to check ourselves and make it sure that we are uh, serving God for for who He is rather than what we can get out of it. Yeah. Paul said in Philippians 4.11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. We've got to learn contentment. Yes. He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's right. Now the question is, if we were put in a position like Job, where everything is taken away from us physically, would we remain faithful to God? Would we continue to serve him? Well... Uh, and that's a challenge. We, we, uh, you know, it, it, it may come. It may come in our lifetime where we have to have to prove ourselves in that way. And I hope we're up to the test. Yes. All right. We need to get our priorities in focus now to make sure that we are. Yeah. I I'm, I need to get all my stuff together. You know. You need a loan? You need, you need some money? <laughs> you want me to give you? No, no. Okay. No. All but right. I, I think people would be devastated. I think people, as was mentioned, I think, in the chat room, I, I think if hard times came... Many in our society would just be absolutely devastated. Their faith would be gone. And I think I think maybe Chris in UK said uh, the, the big mega churches would be empty. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Thank you for your time tonight. Good to be with you tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Larry has been behind the controls, done a great job. Larry, thank you for being here as well. Thank you for joining us on the program. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word in the Bible, and live by it every day. 
You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.